0: and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon.
1: The last Saturday in April, the second game of a softball doubleheader between Central Washington and Western Oregon.
2: Well, we were both neck and neck fighting for the conference championship.
1: As a senior, this was Sarah Tukolski's last chance to win a championship. She'd never hit a home run before, not in college, not in her life. 5'2,
2: I'm not very tall. Um, I'm more a line drive hitter. I don't hit for power.
1: But in the top of the second inning, with two runners on, on the second pitch, that changed.
2: pitch and it just went <laughs> and we're just cheering and the runners are cheering as they around the base to head to home and then i'm going where's sarah
1: in her excitement Tukolski failed to touch first base so she quickly turned back
2: her pivot like just didn't pivot with her and i heard her kind of yell and she's dropped to the ground and i was like oh no just fell immediately and was in a lot of pain just you know I tried to keep my leg straight but I was in so much pain that I couldn't really keep still
1: to with a torn ACL crawled back to first base she was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run when she got back to first
2: base she just she laid there and she hugged on the first base and then I, at that time, I was staring at the base and I go, what on earth are we going to do? And I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? He said, it'll be a two-run
1: single.
3: If anybody would have, on her team, would have helped uh, Sarah, she would
1: have been a called, a called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolski's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up.
2: I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't, I said, thank you so much. We asked her like is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases and i say yes and you know and say thank you and she says you hit the ball over the fence you deserve it
1: for that reason only because she deserved it holtman and wallace began to carry the injured to stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond
0: we actually started laughing, because we were just wondering what this would look like to all the people in the stands.
2: When I looked up, I, I didn't see, you know, giant, like, smiles and screams. I saw emotion and tears and, and people crying. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional.
0: You're proud.
2: Be associated with those kids.
0: That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tukulski.
3: Need a handkerchief? Isn't that a great story? It's wonderful when a person has character And does the right thing at the right time. The reason I showed you that clip is because today we are blessed to honor Kevin and Barbara Walker. And he has carried us around the bases many, many times. There have been numerous times in the 19 years that I've served with him that he just picked me up and carried me. All the way around. And you know what? He's done that for you too. And so we say thank you to the Lord for his goodness, for his grace. We glorify him because he knows what we need and provides it for us. And we're grateful for that opportunity. Kevin and Barbara have been a part of our church for a long time before he came on staff here. And both of them served faithfully in numerous capacities before coming on staff. He was on our deacon body and served as a chairman of deacon and served in so many different ways. When I first came here, I had the opportunity to go with Ryan, his son, to Brazil. You remember that, Ryan? We went on a mission trip and was there. We've had the opportunity to watch Ryan and Courtney grow up here in the life of our church. And and then we got to see them when God provided for them and... and um, Ryan married Mindy, and man, that was so much fun. And then Courtney uh, met Jack. He's not with us today. He's a fireman, and so he's he's serving uh, the people in Waco, right? And so he's serving there. And and so we just got to watch them grow up. And then the real fun happened when grandkids started coming along. You know, David comes along, and and then Addie, and we get to watch them grow up. And they're a part of our life. We see them around here, and been fun to keep up with them and see their accomplishments when David got his black belt and, and, uh, Hattie's involved in softball, but then she's also in Taekwondo, got a brown belt, which is Ryan's investment in the dating years (laughs) coming around the corner. It's wise for a dad to say, you're going to get your black belt before you're old enough to date. I like that. And then Courtney and Jack, oh my goodness, their house is full with Stedson and Dalton and uh, Stedson mutton busting anything cowboy, he's all about it. And Dalton thinks he's big enough to do anything Stedson does. So we've just enjoyed loving on your family. You have been such a special part of the life and ministry of Southcliffe. Thank you for what you've done. And today we get to say thank you to the Lord for sending you here and for allowing us the privilege. Of being able to watch as i kind of reflect upon the nat- last 19 years certainly i can reflect on 25 years as pastor here and my time in ministry with barber and kevin goes all the way to the very beginning of my time here but as i reflect upon these 19 years of serving alongside kevin on staff i'm drawn to a passage of scripture that i want to share with you today it's in the book of, of Philippians, and so if you have your Bible, turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. And Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and every now and then, in Paul's writings, he, um, he kind of lifts the curtain from the public ministry, and his ministry is so public and so out there. Um, and every now and then, he kind of lifts the curtain, and we get to look behind the scenes and backstage. And, and every time Paul lifts the curtain and allows us to see backstage we discover that there are a group of people behind Paul that encourage him and strengthen him and that are there as a part of his ministry. And, and Paul would even acknowledge that he would never be or do all that God had called him to do had it not been for that group of people. And he identifies in Philippians an individual that the church at Philippi would have known by the name of Timothy. And Paul talks about Timothy. We or first introduced to Timothy in Scripture. The Bible tells us he's from Lystra, which is really in modern-day Turkey. And Paul, on his first missionary journey, came to Lystra, and while there, had the privilege of leading young Timothy to faith in Christ. Timothy had made such an impression on Paul's life and, and his ability to lead him to faith in Christ that Paul refers to Timothy as his son, and, and literally his son in the ministry that he led him to faith in Christ. Uh, Timothy's dad was a Gentile. His mom and grandmother were, uh, were of Jewish descent, and, and his mom and grandmother also came to know Christ and become Jesus' followers during the time that Paul was there in his first missionary journey. Paul leaves and goes on and finishes that. Later, he returns And on his second missionary journey, when he returns to Lystra, he finds that that Timothy had had kind of risen in his reputation among those who were Christ's followers as a man who was faithful and loved God and put God first. And in that moment, in his second visit, Paul invited Timothy to join him on that second missionary journey, and Timothy went with him. Timothy went with him to Philippi. When he started the church at Philippi, Timothy was there. He met those new believers in Philippi and and was a part of the journey. Several times in the course of Paul's ministry, he would send Timothy back to places to encourage and strengthen. He sent him to Ephesus to spend a period of time to encourage and strengthen the church there. And when we come to the text before us in the book of Philippians, Paul sends young Timothy back to Philippi. Look with me, if you will, in these verses, because in the verses where Paul introduces us to this ministry of Timothy and and the capacity to which he works, I believe that he gives us three characteristics of a faithful servant of God. And these three characteristics that are a part of Timothy's life are characteristics that I have witnessed in the 19 years that I have been able to serve with Kevin as a part of his life not only do we see them as characteristics of his life but we also see them as a challenge to become characteristic of our life and so as we look at the text before us verse 19 down through verse 24 chapter 2 Philippians we find these words but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may incur- be encouraged when I learn of your condition. So Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy to you, and I know that he's going to encourage you, but I'm going to be encouraged when he comes back and tells me how you're doing. Verse 24, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, and he served, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also may come shortly. And just this little window, just this little brief raising of the curtain to look behind the scenes, we find a significant player in Paul's life and ministry by the name of Timothy. And there are three characteristics of Timothy that seem to emerge in this text that kind of are the characteristics, I think, of any faithful servant of God. And, and we'll recognize them together. If you will look back, you'll see the first one is, is mentioned for us in, um, in that, that first verse as, as Paul says, I hope to send Timothy to you to, to, uh, so that I may be encouraged and learn of your condition. But look at verse 20: for I have no one else of kindred spirit who genuinely be concerned for your welfare. The first characteristic of that faithful servant of God is that they're rare. Paul was saying, Man, I'm sending Timothy to you, and guys, there's not a whole lot of people like Timothy. He is different. He's rare, and we recognize that that those who are faithfully serving God are often rare. Now, when I say that, I think Paul might have been saying that he's rare when he says in the text before us, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned with your welfare. There's at least two reasons why Paul could say that. One, of course, Paul's in prison. So because he's in prison, he doesn't have access to a whole lot of people, right? I mean, he doesn't have access. There were certainly some faithful servants of God in every one of the churches that Paul planted. And, and, and there were some that, that, that would be like Timothy. So it might be that Paul was simply saying, well, Timothy's the only one I have with me right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of limited in who I can send to you. But then there's another sense in which I think Paul was saying... I'm limited in who I can send to you because there's just not many like Timothy. And when I think about my 19 years of serving with Kevin, I have to tell you that there's just not many like him. He's just different and unique. It, 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 he's one of those people that Jesus refers to as a second-mile person. You, don't, you know what I'm talking about? You remember Jesus as he tells us that we are to be servants, to give ourselves, and and he calls us to be rare. He calls us to be unique. He calls us to be different from the world. And one of the ways he did that is he was addressing uh, the the, the Jewish folks who were under the rule of Rome. And he said, hey, whenever you're compelled to walk a mile, walk two. Now, what Paul was making reference to was something that was just a bitter pill that young Jewish boys had to swallow on a regular basis. Being under the control of Rome, any time a Roman soldier who was leaving an area, a city, he may be leaving the city of Jerusalem, walking out one of the gates. If a young Jewish boy was walking up to the gate as a Roman soldier was leaving, that Roman soldier could, by law, compel the Jewish boy to carry his pack for the distance of one mile. And, uh, and so the Roman soldier would commandeer these young boys and say, hey, you carry my pack and they hated it. Man, it was bitter and they were angry about it. In fact, historians tell us that that in any different direction from each of the gates of Jerusalem, you could walk one mile and there was a stake driven in the ground one mile away from that, so that every Jewish boy knows exactly where the mile is so that he doesn't have to walk one step further than a mile. And there was a trail around that so that that Jewish boy carrying the pack of that Roman soldier and bitterness and anger would walk around that stake and drop that pack with an attitude and return on his journey. And Jesus says, hey, I want you guys... When you are compelled to carry a pack one mile, I want you to carry it two. What kind of thought is that? What in the world are you saying you want me to carry it two? No, I want you to be rare. I want you to be different. I want you to be unlike anybody else in the world. I want you to live a life of service to others. Can you imagine what would happen when that Jewish boy would pass that stake in honor of God's word? Pass the stake, soldier probably wouldn't say anything. But maybe even less than a half mile away, that soldier might say, hey, boy, did you notice you've already passed the stake? We've already gone a mile. And maybe the Jewish boy would respond and say, well, no, it's fine. I'll carry it. We'll just keep going. I'll, I'll carry it two miles. And the difference that it would make. Jesus, do you know that Jesus called all of us to live our life in the second mile? He's called every one of us to go above and beyond what is expected, to live our lives, to serve others. That's a rare thing. And what I love about Kevin is that he lives his life in the second mile, constantly serving and looking for opportunities to serve. When he announced his retirement, and we began to go through the process of, of, of how we're going to step up and make the changes that we have to make in order to, uh, to, to make sure everything continues on, we began to look at all that Kevin does. That was the first step. What does he do so that we make sure that we're not dropping anything? Well, that, that's easy. All you got to do is just look at the job description, right? He's got a job description, and this is what he does. We pulled out the job description, and this is what Kevin does. He does everything that's required on the job description. And then we begin to recognize, but wait a minute. There's a whole lot of other stuff he does that's not on this job description, I know there's, you know, that old adage of that little phrase at the bottom of every job description that kind of makes everything else mute that says at the bottom and other duties as assigned by, you know, your supervisor that says, well, there's anything. But you know what I've recognized? All of this other stuff we begin to recognize. I never assigned that. Other people didn't assign that. How in the world did he accumulate so many other things that are not a part of what we require him to do? It's because he lives his life in the second mile. Because he recognizes a need, and he said, "You know what? I'm just going to meet the need. There's something that needs to be done. I'm going to do it." He had the character to recognize at the right time somebody needs to be picked up and carried around the bases, and they're not a part of my team, but it doesn't matter. It's the right thing to do, and if it's the right thing to do, we're going to do the right thing. And what I love about him is that he lives his life in the second mile, and he's rare. Oh, listen, there's not another one. We've got a lot of Kevin stories that we can tell that show that he's not like anybody else. And um, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into a lot of them, but I will tell you one. Um, when, when we installed, uh, there's a button on the door over here that is a handicap access and you can hit that button and the door opens magically and you can walk through it. And so when we first installed that, you know, we just walk over and boom, hit that button. You probably hit the button. Your kids have hit the button and the door opens and everybody goes through. Well, our, our, our administrative buildings are over there, but we have our staff meetings over here. So every time we come to staff meetings, we're walking from that building to this building. I've, almost every time we're walking through, boom, we hit the button, the door opens, we walk through. And then I begin to notice after several weeks, after that button had been in, that Kevin never went through where you, you punched the button. He wouldn't punch the button. He would go over and open the door and walk through. The rest of us, lazy, hit the button, walk through. He walks through and opens. And so finally, I asked him about it, and, and, and he explained to all of us the reason he didn't, because he told us how much it cost every time you punch the button to open the door. I think it was like 14 cents or something that Every time you push the button, it's like 14 cents that, that you're spending. And I'm thinking, who thinks that way? Are you serious? you got to be—you you, figure that up? Really? And he did. It's rare to find somebody that thinks that way. But the stewardship of our facilities, the stewardship of our resources, one of the things that you might not know behind the scenes, but Kevin is giving himself— in such a way of leadership to the life of our church that our church has become an example to many churches throughout the United States on how to do it right. Our auditors come every year to audit our books, and they will call us there in the course of the year, and they will say we are working with another church, and they're struggling in their bookkeeping area. We told them that they need to go to South Cliff and sit down with your guys, and that you will show them how to do it right. It's rare. But you know what? God's called us all to be rare. He's called every one of us to walk in the second mile. I love what Zig Ziglar used to say, there's no traffic jam in the second mile of life. And God's calling every one of us to live our lives that way. But not only is it rare, but I think the second characteristic of those that are faithful servants of God is that they care. Look at what he says next. One of the things that made Timothy rare is that he genuinely cared for others. Paul said, I have no one else like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. As a servant of God, the thing that sets us apart from everybody else is the fact that we care. We really do care. Concerned about the welfare and the lives of other people. Timothy was with Paul When the church at philippi was born he knew those people he knew their story he knew their life and and you know what i've loved about kevin is that he knows you he knows your story He knows your life and and that's why his job description has gotten bigger because he knows your story and he knows your life he and i've been blessed to have a great great friendship i value kevin in so many ways but one of the things that i love is the banter back and forth when we're trying to figure out things and remember things, and um, and we try to remember a person, and, and and there'll be somebody that's coming to the church, and I can't remember their name, and so I'm going to give Kevin the the worst description you can ever have. They they sit over in this area of the church, you know about. Gosh, I can't remember if it's the first or second service. I think it's the second service that they come. And then I'll try to describe you. And Kevin comes up with a name. And he just gives a name. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. And there are times that he'll come to me and bounce that off. And why? Because we, we, we have been here long enough to know your story. And we prayed for you. And we care about you. You see, a true servant of God loves and, and in fact, look, look at what Paul does in the text b- before us. He, he says, and, and, he, and he gives kind of a blanket statement, he says that, that, that Timothy is different because most people, he kind of puts a blanket statement, most people seek after their own interests, not those of Christ. The thing that makes him different is that he really does seek after the interest of Christ. In a world that is selfish and self-centered, God has called us to be selfless and outward focused. Every one of us are called to be that. And and I will say this to you, though we are blessed to have Kevin and Barbara as a part of our fellowship and their family, and, and they are that way, they're not the only ones in our church. We have a lot of Timothys in our church. We have a lot of people that are concerned and have genuine care for others who have stepped up and lived their life in the second mile. It's what makes our church unique, I think, and, and, and a blessing. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, I'll discover a need in the life of a church. And once I discover the need, I'm, I want to get in pastor mode and say, okay, well, I need to make a phone call and do something. And you know what? I'll call and realize the need's already been taken care of. It was already taken care of before I ever met or understood that it was there. A grow group surrounded these people and loved on them and were there. They provided a meal for them at a time they need. They provided uh, child care for them at a time. They they provided resources at, at, at the time that was needed. By the time I find out about it, I've already seen people in the life of our church offer genuine care and concern for others. It might be easy for you to identify a Timothy in your life, someone who's come alongside and helped you, someone that carried you around the bases at a time when you needed it. And for us today, we are to recognize that the challenge is that we become that for others. If I can identify the people that have been Timothys in my life, like Kevin, well, who am I a Timothy for? Who are the people that I am demonstrating care for? For the, the third thing that he does is this he says, Not only is it characteristic of a person who is a faithful servant of God, they, they, they are, they're rare, they're hard to find, they're difficult to, 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 to discover in the world that we live in, and they care that what makes them a little bit different. But, 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 but a third thing, they're, they're prepared, they're, they're prepared. He says in the text before us in verse 22, but as you know. Of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel as a child serving his father. Paul said, you know that Timothy prepared to go on this trip. When I came back on the second missionary journey, he had already acquired a reputation of a servant he had already required, acquired a reputation of one who, who, who served God. He was prepared. What I want you to recognize that, that, I don't know if you realize it or not, but before Kevin came to be our executive pastor, God prepared him for this task. Kevin grew up in, in uh, New Mexico. He and Barbara both grew up there in New Mexico. Um, grew up on a dairy farm. And I want to tell you something, if, if, if you know anything about dairy farms, um, man, there is a work ethic there that that kids learn early on, getting up early, early in the morning, and there's no day off. I mean, you know, the cows don't get to have a day off. You don't just say, you know what, we're going to give you Sunday off. We're not going to milk today. They, they, have, they this is every day of his life. The work ethic that that was a part of his life as a child growing up that was ingrained within him, the, the character that he learned from, from others and instilled in him. And then after he, he graduated from high school, he went to college and got a degree in agriculture, and he taught ag in high school. And invested, it. it was during that time that, that God continued to work in his life. He was serving, but, but he and Barbara sensed the calling on his life at that time. And so they, they accepted the call of their life and continued to prepare and chose to come to Southwestern to get his degree. So he and Barbara made the trip to Southwestern. And as they got here, they both plugged in, found jobs and opportunities to serve. And Kevin went to work in the landscaping area at the seminary. And it wasn't long before the guy that was in charge of that whole area began to recognize this guy's rare. Not many like him. He really kind of has a care about what he does. There's a work ethic here. And and this guy who was ready to retire buttonholed Kevin and said, you're going to be the guy that takes over when I leave. And so all of a sudden, Kevin graduates from seminary, thinking perhaps when he got here, he was going to serve in some capacity in the life of a church. And God says, no, I've got another place that I want you to serve. And so he plugged in and began to serve God faithfully at the seminary. First in charge of basic responsibilities of of grounds and then beyond that to facility beyond that he became the director of support systems or services what happened they did the same thing there that that we did here he started out this is your job description and it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then when we had a position available for executive pastor I remember going to the personnel committee and we were praying together and I said this to them I said you know what I want to pray for is this if we could just get somebody like Kevin Walker in this position. And I had no idea that God would open the door for us to get Kevin Walker, but he did. And in a few weeks I began to recognize that Kevin Walker is available. We don't have to get somebody like him, we can get him. And God brought him here. And you know what I recognize? Every step of the way from the moment you were born in New Mexico, God prepared him for this job. And he has served so faithfully behind the scenes. So much of what he's done, you don't even see. But if he didn't do it, you would know it. And he served faithfully in that capacity. You know what that teaches me? That God wants to do the same with you. Do you understand that God has been at work at your life from the very beginning to, to build you into the person that he wants you to be? He has given you spiritual gift. He has given you a personality He has given you abilities. He has given you a passion. He has given you experiences, and all of those things come together to to position you in a place that you can be that faithful servant God has called us to be. And he prepares us, and he's calling us. And just as I can say in the 19 years I've been with Kevin, it's rare to find someone like him someone with a compassion and care that he has, the ability to step up and love people and love on people and serve a person who is genuinely prepared for the task at hand. I would also say that God longs to do the same thing in you. He wants you to be a person who's rare. Live your life in the second mile. He wants you to be a person who cares about others. The thing that separates us from the world is that we care when the world only cares about themselves and recognize that God has been preparing us for the very calling he's given. And so today we say thank you, God, for the gifts you give us. Some of the best gifts are people. And Kevin and Barbara have been a treasure and we say thank you. And We are challenged by their faithfulness to live that life you've called us to in faithful service as well. Well, if you're here today and have never accepted the gift of eternal life, oh, that would be the most important decision you could make. And we can talk about all of the wonderful people that are a part of our fellowship, but God's brought them all here perhaps to make us the church that we are today so that you could today hear the gospel and the hope of the eternal life that God makes available. And if you have never accepted the gift of eternal life, our prayer is that you will make that decision today to receive that gift of eternal life and to walk as God has called you to. And for those of us who have, I pray that we will be inspired and challenged from the life that we've been privileged to watch, to live as God has called us to live. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had together. I pray that you have been glorified and you have been honored as we say thank you to you for the gifts that you've given us and for Kevin and his faithful ministry here. Thank you for his family. We ask God your rich blessings on him as he moves into a new time in his life, a new opportunity of service and ministry that you will guide and direct. And for that, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
0: From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about South Cliff Church, please go to Southcliff.com. To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's SCPodcast.com at southcliffe.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.